We're four teaching friends from across the country. We've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's really hard? Planning for and setting up PBL activities for your classroom. So what exactly, <laughs> you might be wondering, friends, what exactly is project-based learning? Because uh, people call lots of things PBL, and what you're doing may or may not actually be PBL. So we'll tell you about a little bit of research that we did. Yeah, PBL is, I think, actually one of my favorite things to do. Um, it, it is actually learning that takes place could be as little as a week up to a sem- up to a whole semester, um, especially as you get up into the secondary levels of education. Um, it engages kids in solving real world problems or answering complex questions. And I think what's really cool about PBL is it can go across the curriculum. Um, it can go across all the subject areas that you might teach, either as an elementary school teacher or the, the couple you might teach as a middle school teacher or your specialty in, in secondary. Um, and because of that, it also uses multiple domains. And, and what I mean by that is uh, your kids are writing, they're reading, they might be doing mathematical equations and sketching and planning and engineering and, and all of that in a PBL. In other be- words, yeah. STEAM. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't always called that. Um, no. I, I think the most important part of it has to be the authenticity. You have to be answering a real world world question, mm-hmm. doing well, something that's carried that feels authentic. Say that again, right. Kathy. Oh, I was just saying that students have to care about it. If they don't, they're not really going to put forth the effort, too. Exactly. So true. Yeah. And they can't know the answer to the question before they start. They really have to dig in and um, and learn. Right? Yeah. Yeah. As, as they go. Absolutely. And, they, and it's so good because they really do develop deep content knowledge, critical thinking, creativity, as well as communication skills. And they're active. You know, they don't have to just, they don't just sit there and you do all the work. They're the ones that are working also. That's what else I really like about it. Right. Well, and right. you know what? Go ahead. One of- <laughs> and we thought we wouldn't have anything to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that I love about um, about PBL and STEM and STEAM um, is that it doesn't just like develop academic knowledge for kids. It 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 develops what we, um, gosh, Ron Richard calls dispositions. Right? Those are the employability skills. Those are the things that employers look for. Yeah, you know, in life, it's important that you can do long division, but it's also important that you can get along. You can work with others. You yes. can. Build mm-hmm. on other people's thinking. It's you can have a disagreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. like the real world. Like they're going to yeah. be asked to do these things as, a, as adults in, in, the, in, in their future careers, in their future lives, to work together. Mm-hmm. And also they, um, 
I did some research on dominant learning pathways a long time ago. And working in a collaborative group that's working on a, a project like this, they learn to um, develop some of their less dominant learning pathways because mm-hmm. they, they need it in order to complete their part of the project or, or they see somebody else completing part of the project and, and, and learn from that. Exactly. Right. So, you know, with PBL and STEM and STEAM, and it's, I think we, the four of us anyway, we all agree it's good stuff. We, we like it. Um, But there's some challenges with it, you know, as an, as a teacher, especially when you're a teacher that's starting out, it can feel a little daunting, can't it? It it can be a little overwhelming. Um, because you, you've got so much to think about, right? How much right. of the learning do you control? How little of the learning do you control? How do you assess it? Um, it's definitely not something you can sit there with your red mark, you know, your, your marking pen in, in 40 years ago, your marking pen in the teacher guide and go wrong, correct, wrong, correct. It's, it's not that easy. So right. how does... You need a rubric. Yeah. How does a teacher go about setting up a PBL activity? Let's talk about that. So PBL isn't simply doing projects. It's actually a a big process of learning um, that involves both the students and the teacher. Um, so my purpose when I do PBL is kind of like the guide on the side, right? I'm, I'm trying to facilitate the learning. I'm not trying to control the learning. And let me tell you, that's really hard for me. It's (laughs) easier to be the sage on the stage, isn't it? It's so hard. But the thing about PBL is it does have five steps. If you can kind of remember these five steps, five things that will help you move through planning a project-based learning event for your kids. Well, so the the first step would be to just state the challenge. We have a challenge, and it's going to be about um, constructing a treehouse, for example. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then to define the learning targets. And I always like working backwards on that because I would gather my standards from reading, from writing, from math, from science, mm-hmm. and pull those in as part of the requirements in the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I think yeah. once, once we know what this challenge is, that teachers have to then pose a question, right? And define the question that the kids have are working toward. Yeah. Focus question. Mm -hmm. And then the kids have to decide for the assessment, they have to decide how to show what they've learned, including creating their own rubrics that provide the criteria for their assessment. And I think for little ones, like I I used to do this with kids as Mm -hmm. young as second grade, second, third Mm -hmm. grade, you make up the rubrics at first. Yes for, the, yes, for the projects. And then, you know, for later projects, they can do it and they can see how easy it is because once you know what your goal is, that's your target. That's the middle of the rubric. Mm-hmm. And then you build it out from there. Everything it's, extra yeah, beyond, you know, is higher. And- so I just built a rubric with my kids last week. 
And I did something totally different. And I I never start in the middle. Isn't that weird? I I always start in the middle. I always start at the bottom and the top. And then that helps us define the middle. We move in. So that's kind of cool that we both process that totally differently with, you know, totally different with our kids. Wow. We're not robots. (laughs) I love it. When you do rubrics with your kids, do you discover that sometimes your kids' rubrics are harder than what you would have done as a teacher? Yes. Oh, yes. Always. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It makes my heart sing. Because when it comes to them, they're going to rise to their own occasion. They're going to rise to their own expectation and not mine. Especially the more often yeah, they do it. Absolutely. Right. I, I find what's helpful too is I have the rubric in my mm-hmm. mind, but then we create it together as we do it. Like, you know, they brainstorm, I'll write things. They'll tell me how to rearrange it. But as long as I have in my head where I need us to kind of go, and sometimes the kids surprise me too, but at least it gives me a guide for where to ask the certain questions, you know, how to group it together. And they've gotten really good mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. I think that's important to, to know where you want to go with it. So that's a great idea, Kathy. Yeah. You also have to plan backwards. You have to start, um, the kids have to know what the assessment is. And then if you start with the that mm-hmm. and you, you plan backwards, okay, so here's what we have to do. How are we going to get there? So it's almost like a reverse right. flow chart that you, you kind of have the kids go through and they're thinking about how they're going to arrive where you need them to arrive. Well, it's how we lesson plan too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And the kids have to, fi- they have to figure out mm-hmm. their own path. They make decisions within your basic framework. You're on the side for questions. You're there to encourage and, and um, you know, pull them back in. And one thing that I always found helps with that, you were talking about what, what about if they're, were we discussing this before or when we actually started <laughs> recording? What about if they're really chatty and, you know, they're wasting be time? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So what if... So what if they are? I found that that whether I had it turned on or not, taking out of in the old days a video camera and and now mm-hmm. my phone, um, and and looking like you're recording them, or in fact recording them at work, because those are valuable portfolio oh, pieces too to show how how they've mm-hmm. grown as a team member and as mm-hmm. a project. Um, uh, project worker. manager. Yeah. Manage, yeah. 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 That's what I usually do. And, uh, one of the kids is in charge of the, the noise level, you know, the keeping the quiet down and, you know, the leader and that type of thing. And that, that helps because they, they get each other to quiet well, down too. And there's also self-assessments too, that you can put in place. I know where you're talking about, okay, how did I do as today as a cooperative learner, but also how did I do today as an independent learner during the PBL? Am I, am I on target? Because I think those formative assessments, mm-hmm. we do them as teachers. Why wouldn't we have kids do them themselves? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then that, that, the, that ability to reflect right. and self-assess so, is so powerful. Okay. So we know the five steps, right? We've gone through that. There are definite benefits to PBL. There's pros and there's cons. Let's talk about some of the pros. (laughs) 
Well, this goes back to my project-based uh, learning goes kind of back to when I was a kid hating history. It was so boring. You know, all you did was sit there and listen to the teachers spout off facts from the book. So when I first started teaching history, which I really started to love, I remembered this and decided I just wasn't going to do that anymore. And I wanted it to be interesting for them and me. So um, I think I said that before, but an, a real benefit is for the kids to become active rather than passive learners. And they also retain what they've learned and have a deeper understanding of the subject. <laughs> I heard a laugh. And the, my number one reason for, for doing this from the very beginning mm -hmm. was it gives the very best answer to, I'm done. Yeah. Now what should I do? Because <laughs> they never done. have <laughs> that. You're never done. And I had a big sign that said, we are never done. Um, but they, they start to develop self-motivation and self-direction because they do know they have that project on the back burner that they now need to pull out and work on. I also on. think it, mm -hmm. it helps. Um, we've been talking a lot about this in, in our organization, um, especially with the, the new NGSX science and then what we've adopted in my district for math, productive struggle. It's huge. And, mm -hmm. and this approach teaches productive struggle. So kids are going to struggle, but that's when they learn, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's, exactly. it's wonderful today. And it's, and it's so I hard. I had never heard that term, but that's perfect. That just says And it. it's so hard mm -hmm. for our kids who want one answer and to get it quickly and that they've prided themselves as a student on knowing things quickly. This really kind of throws them for a loop, which is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, my point of pride is when you know, I have one of my, I've had this happen a couple times where one of my really, really high kids who kind of is, you know, the, one of the outliers um, in terms of, of their performance on things. And they go, this was hard, Miss Willis. And I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes perfect. Yes. So, yes, and, it is hard, it, hard and exactly. fun at the same time. So you really feel yes. the learning as it's happening. You laugh while you feel the burn. <laughs> right. That's it. Exactly. It's like your first jazzercise class. <laughs> there you go. So there's, we know there's student benefits, but there's also teacher benefits too. Um, I think that attention, kids are more invested. So a lot of times some of the behavior problems that you know, we might experience with more traditional learning methods, they aren't there because the kids are so fully invested in what they're doing. Yeah. And I think it's also great oh, yeah. parent PR mm -hmm. because the kids go home talking about it. They're so excited. Yeah. Yes, they do. Absolutely. And a uh, blog post uh, that I wrote about a year ago after Hurricane Harvey um, talks about a community service project that we used to do following some project-based learning. Um, and that brought in the whole community, people who lived in the neighborhood, parents, people who worked in the district and other buildings and in our building, central office. Everybody came and made contributions because they wanted to mm -hmm. see the show. They wanted to hear the tour guides, take them around and show mm -hmm. them their product. And um, that's powerful. That that just gives it even more. Plus, I think you know, as teachers, sometimes we get so caught up into this is my reader's workshop block. This is my writer's workshop block. This is math. This is science. This is social studies. But but we don't as if they're yeah. separate subjects. Yeah, we don't go through our adult yeah. lives in blocks. Uh, it, you know, no. 
little boxes. We little want boxes them to be able to see the connectivity no. of what we're teaching and how it relates to each other. And, right. and, and so anytime we can do something that's interdisciplinary, I think we are doing them a big, huge favor. Yes, absolutely. And ourselves, yeah. Yes. So now let's talk about the cons. What are the what's the downside to PBL, STEM, and STEAM? Well, I think one of the the um, cons of it is, especially if you're kind of a pioneer in your building, um, getting it started before others have tried it, is trying to explain to others what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. Yeah. Well, and they, it also requires a lot more time and organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if teachers are concerned about, oh, well, I didn't get to this unit or this particular <laughs> standard, they're not kind of seeing the overall picture of how this really plays across all the disciplines. And mm. Kathy, you made me think of something else when you said that it doesn't look organized, no. but it ha- you have to be super, super organized. organized. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yes. And I don't have mean, to be. And, I, and it's yeah. messier. <laughs> Let's kind of qualify that, what, what we mean by super organized. So because I think sometimes when people think super organized, they're thinking color-coded, pretty. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. no. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> no. ladies. You know, where you go home and your desk is clean at the end of the day and, oh, you're so organized. That's not what we mean. No, your your thinking has to be organized. Mm -hmm. You you and your students have to have the end in mind. You have to have clear goals. You have to be focused on your overarching question. You have to have a place to record all of the data that they're collecting or all of the narrative that, you know, that's happening. Well, the assessing that you're doing as they go through the process. Yeah. Or that your kids are going to come up with questions that you don't have the answer to. Yeah. And that's part of the process, right? We all learn from it. Mm -hmm. How can we get the answer? Right. So you're you're learning with them. That's right. And you have to, you have to have ways to find that out. You have to have access to computers for, or a library, Mm -hmm. you know, for research. Um, You have to have access to building materials that they may need to, to create it. Um, that's that's why the the whole makerspace uh, concept it is really, so great. It is. Business. And you know, one of the things too, when I plan for PBL, it looks very different than when I plan for something else. I have pages in my lesson plan book that are for concept mapping because that organization that you're talking about is being able to see the big picture and keep track of the big picture. Um, and sometimes as teachers, we get so mired in the little details that we forget to look at the map, right? So I actually will concept map PBL. That's what my planning looks like, a concept map, like a flow chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I also think that it's difficult for new teachers too. I think it could be really intimidating because, um, you know, it's not as structured, even though it is structured, it just doesn't seem it, you know, and um, they have to learn exactly, you know, um, how to do it. And to be organized and all the stuff we've been well, saying. Well, and I think there's something, too, to be said for proactive management. Simple things like mm-hmm. instead of, send, you know, asking the whole, you know, sending them all 
as one big herd to get materials, to have the forethought mm. to say, say, send one person from your team to the material center to get what yeah. you need. I mean, that's proactive mm-hmm. management. Mm-hmm. Yes. You yes. know, when you've been teaching for 26 years, you don't necessarily think about it because it's kind of, at this point, it's ingrained, right? It's it's how you do things. Yes. But you're fresh out of college. Right. <laughs> you're learning oh, very scary. Skill, which is... <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. send them yeah. tromping across the classroom like a herd of buffalo. You you want to manage the movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have a simple four, four-step plan for kids that I always used that I included in this blog post. I think the blog post is a, is a great place to start. It may, It's pretty simple. It suggests some projects you can do um, for free. Um, the simple plan for kids is, though, I know that when I used to have all the materials and I'd have the Legos to start with and, you know, and, and the junk boxes, which is what my makerspace used to be, just boxes of recyclables and things. The kids wanted to just dip into that right away and start building. But that's step three. Mm-hmm. They need to start with research and reading. Yeah. And that goes on until they're ready as a group to plan, brainstorm and make right. a draft. And I think that's one of the mis- one of the misunderstandings like- is we have these maker spaces or we have materials and kids do just jump in without all of the planning part, which is what's so important. Exactly. Right. I call I yeah. call that sandbox yeah. <laughs> learning. Mm-hmm. And and you got to get them out of the sandbox eventually. That's okay, you know, for the especially the younger kids or the first week of school or something. But um, you can't be in that sandbox all the time and expect to come up with great projects. Mm-hmm. So so all of that building, writing, drawing, creating, constructing. That's step three. And then finally, after you've done all that, yeah. polish it you know, follow the engineering process, go back and look at what you've done, Mm -hmm. redo it if you have to, and then practice your presentation and make use of your... So ladies, let's just take a minute and and talk to our listeners. Let's share one project-based learning activity that we've done with our students that we've really liked. And when you talk about it, talk about the grade level. Well, we, we taught, um, I taught biomes in fourth grade. I don't know if that's in, in the science in NGSS for fourth grade right now, but it was at the time. And I developed a multidimensional um, presentation that kids had to do. Each group was assigned one particular biome and they had to make it a tourist destination of some sort. Um, they'd have to develop a restaurant using foods that were native to that area um, an adventure trail, games involving math along the trail, a map, a brochure, posters, diorama, newspaper, web page, all of that. And then each person in the group for that individual accountability had to act as a tour guide. And parents could come in or, you know, like that big project that I talked about, everybody could come in and they take them around their posters and their um, diorama and explain and show them the brochures and explain Mm. what their trip would be like to that particular biome. 
so fun. Sounds great. Yeah. That's funny, Retta. I was going to, I was thinking about one also that had to do with biomes and uh, creating an animal that would live there. But it also made me think of years ago when I taught second grade, um, I had a very socially conscious class and they decided they wanted to take on the issue of the rainforests and how the rainforests were disappearing. This was on their own. They said, can we, can we learn about this? And at the time, second grade was learning about endangered species. Yes. So we, they started to research about the different animals that live there. We read tons of literature. They put on a class play having to do, we created a whole rainforest in our room, but then they wanted to do more. And so they said, we should share our information. And they ended up creating a magazine where they wrote articles. They did oh, wow. uh, word searches and puzzles, all with facts that they learned. Second grade. Wait, and I then, love it. And then this dad, who was amazing, who was a songwriter, came in and he said, tell me what you learned. And as, he told, as they told him everything, he charted it on chart paper. And then he says, how does this sound? And he used all their words and literally like wrote a song in the middle of class. Ah. And then took us to his recording studio <laughs> and we recorded it. And then the kids sold the magazine and the little cassette tape at that time. Um, and they donated all the money toward the Rainforest Foundation. Oh, very cool. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Yeah, authentic. Yeah, like wow. <coughs> well, I, um, I taught ancient history to uh, sixth grade. And we were studying Egypt and I, you know, trying to come up with a good idea about learning about King Tut. So I started a web quest and I made up some questions and they were supposed to find the answers to them, work in their collaborative groups as a different type of a person that would um, be doing research as a detective. One like was a medical examiner, an archaeologist, reporter, a sketch artist, a history professor, historian. So after they answered their questions and, um, finished the web quest, we came up with a mock trial and they would decide, they would have to decide if he died of uh, natural causes or if he was murdered. So, um, for the trial, wow. I based it on a regular trial and, you know, people were judges, juries, defendants. If you did, the kids that weren't actually acting were, were in the uh, jury and they had papers and things to fill out and everything. And, um, for an evaluation, you know, we came up with a grading rubric and they had to write a persuasive essay um, persuading me that their opinion was correct as to whether he was killed or if wow. it was natural causes. So oh, cool. It was a fun that. one. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. And they really got into it, you know, the heated arguments. It was good. So one that we've done, um, we do had a whole social justice kind of um, thing, and we 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 read. This is fifth fifth grade. We read long walk a long walk to water, and we were um, discussing water usage um, in that book. But then, and how it and the poverty and the situations that lack of water creates. And then we started researching water usage around the world and how different cultures utilize water and how people who live in different biomes utilize water. And then we, we looked at our own water. So and important. then we started researching the Flint water crisis and I'm located in Michigan. So there isn't a child probably fourth grade and up who isn't aware on some level of the Flint water crisis because it's in the news. And, and, from there, they turned it into a big investigation about um, why 
why do some people have safe drinking water and why do others not? And why is it taken care of in some ways and why is it not? And then we researched the United Nations um, Bill of Human Rights. And did you know that clean water is not on there? Really? No, that's terrible. Clean water is not um, I use Musella and they have this fantastic article about this. And the kids did this huge debate and they ended up writing petitioning letters to the United Nations um, asking persuasive essays about why clean drinking water should be a basic human right and it should be listed on the United Nations list of human rights. So that was our, our big, you know, our big PVL about what needs to happen so everyone can have water. I mean, we got into issues of poverty and it was, it was pretty, pretty exciting. Um, one of the most exciting units I've ever taught. And I'm listening to you guys talk and go, all of this is like really exciting. I know. I hope we got some of our listeners excited today too. I hope so. And, uh, And we'll put some links in the notes and maybe also a couple of links to some products that are on TPT. If you want to, place to start that's kind of you know stress free exactly. and then branch out from so, there mm-hmm. you know what um, this is all yeah. we have time for today um we're hoping that you got something useful out of this podcast this episode and that you um join us again next week next week guys we're going to be discussing are you ready for this fur feather and reptile scales. We're going to be discussing <laughs> how not to kill a goldfish. <laughs> oh my! Pets, pets, pets in the classroom. <laughs> do you or don't you? Are oh. you ready to do poop detail? You got to join us next week. Until next week, have a great one, guys. <laughs>